XM brings you the deepest variety of commercial free music for every genre and for every mood. Where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment, and comedy, and hundreds of hand curated music channels designed to fit every mood. Where you get news from every source. Where you can listen to the newly launched Fish Radio, in addition to Jam On. Grateful Dead Radio, Pearl Jam Radio, Tom Petty Radio, and many more. Where you can listen to top comedy channels such as Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Radio and Netflix is a Joke Radio and Sports Talk Radio from Barstool to ESPN and more to keep you up to date on the latest news in the sports world. Most people think that you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. Subscribe now to listen outside the car, on your phone, online, and at home and get your first three months for just a dollar. Visit SiriusXM.com slash BTP to see offer details and to subscribe. Start listening today. SiriusXM, no car required. I'm David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. You are listening to episode 75 of the Beyond the Pond podcast, three quarters of the way to 100. This is the podcast in which, generally speaking, Brian and myself utilize the music of the band Fish as a means of introducing the listener to other bands. These are usually not jam bands because we love Fish, we are Fish fans problem with fish fans is sometimes they get a bit myopic they only listen to fish can recount numerous statistics and dates and times and tell you where you were on that date when fish played such and such but you talk about other bands and they look at you like you have seven heads and that's not good it's not good at all it's not good at all and we are here to do something about it we we are here in episode 75, like Dave mentioned at the top, recapping Fish's 2019 
Dick's Sporting Goods Park run, the plagued run, if you will. Their ninth run, their ninth annual run, I should say, uh, here in beautiful Commerce City, Colorado, just outside of downtown Denver. And we are going to be doing this episode similar to the five episodes we released in June and July for Fish's Summer Tour. So if you don't like us talking about quarters and baseball, sorry. But if you do, you're in luck because we're going to do it here again. We are indeed. And themes that we're going to cover in this episode include new songs continue to pave the way forward, the plague, and blowout show versus consistent jamming throughout. And on that note, let's get to the fish. we did with the five episodes that covered summer tour 2019 we are recapabling the last week of tour here this being the last three shows of summer 2019 technically summer 2019 although dicks kind of felt like its own unique run to itself this year more than others so we've got i think six segments we're going to go through here we're going to cover some various themes uh, within the overall run and kind of our thoughts on that. And kicking things off is the best opening quarter. So the best start to a show. David, what is our best opening quarter of the Dicks 2019 run? We said the opening quarter on Sunday night, September 1st, which went stray dog, stealing time from the faulty plan, turtle in the clouds, and Wolfman's brother. Yeah. This one, this one had it all. You had humor, new songs that everyone wants to hear, jamming, energy, even the stealing time kicks ass and works well in this spot. Whereas both Friday and Saturday night, August 30th and August 31st, kind of took their time setting the table before lifting off. The final night of the run was benefited by a swift kick of energy right out the gates. The humorous part of the set, of course, coming in um, song Stray Dog with Trey acknowledging the bubonic plague-infected prairie dogs by calling the song <laughs> Plague Dog, like a plague dog rolling into town now. And instead of saying it's over here, it's over there, he used the more profane version, which I think was debuted in the Trey, uh, the Trey Anastasia documentary between me and my mind. You see them at the end of documentary going it's fucking here it's fucking there <laughs> so they did that and they talked about the plague dog it's funny it's good it was good the crowd was enraptured with laughter um of note i want to say though is uh the wolfman's brother now i'm not sure how many of our listeners our, our listeners are very smart people but i'm not sure how many people remember that uh, in the first two to three years of 3.0, 09, 10, 11, Wolfman's was 
probably the most reliable song that you could get at a fish show. In the days when you weren't even guaranteed a single jam during the show, Wolfman's was always there to get the energy up and showcase intraband connectivity. All that said, this version from 9119, I would say joins the Velvet version as well as 122918 as the best takes on the song that we've heard in 3.0. I would also give some dap for uh, December 28, 2012, being the... Ooh, good call. Being the little drummer boy, old man's brother. Very, that very good gets, call. That is a great version. Gets very clab heavy and funky before doing a full-on little drummer boy, being Johnny Fishman is the little drummer boy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's really refreshing. It's one of the one of the part of the themes of this of this run, I felt, was just seeing them tinkering with older tunes that for so long have been used for traditional energy builds. Um, you could, you know, talk about most chalk dust tortures throughout 3.0 birds of a feather in 2019 here. Wolfman's brother, a song that usually is like a 10 minute energy build was used as a really, really great jam vehicle. Yeah. There's only, only one television in, uh, in my apartment. We have one TV and multiple iPads. My wife has kind of been taken to, Reluctantly watching Couch Tour because she doesn't feel like watching the iPad. She wants to watch the TV, so she's gotten to know the songs and doesn't really like Wolfman's Brother. She kind of groaned <laughs> when it started. But as it got melodic in Type 2, she even admitted that this was a very good version of the song. So even Dave's wife enjoyed it. <laughs> Dave, If Dave's wife enjoyed it, anything is possible. Mm. Which takes yeah. us into segment two here. The Kool-Aid Man Award. This is the David Goldstein Award for summer. Can you recap for our listeners what the Kool-Aid Man Award is? For our listeners that weren't alive in the 80s, the Kool-Aid Man Award, Kool-Aid Man being the uh, gigantic anthropomorphic pitcher filled with Kool-Aid that runs through a wall because he's so high on sugar and so happy and so wanting to get the children of the 80s hooked on Kool-Aid and full of sugar. So... (laughs) This, of course, being the one jam that makes you feel like you just inhaled Kool-Aid and want to run through a wall. And which one do we have for it? The Hairy Hood, from night one, Absolutely. August 30th. Really, really good version of Hairy Hood. Probably Fantastic version. Top three of the year. Easy. Yeah, I would say unquestionably. Um, you know, of the six sets that were played at Dick's 2019 None connected like August 30th, set two. It's the best set of the weekend, one of the best sets of the summer tour, and I would argue one of the best second sets we've seen at Dick's. You had jams in Everything's Right and Mercury. Set the tone before light went directly into party time. Sand contained some fiery jamming that evolved into a very blissful theme before segueing into What's the Use? A jam that saw, that saw the experiment uh, to great effect with si- with silence and noise. It was just like they took the volume down completely. Mike went crazy with his bass and faded into an outstanding hairy hood. And that this hood came at the end of the set and delivered in the way it did represented the best thematic achievement of the overall run. Just this 90 minutes was pretty close to perfection as you could get here in, uh, in Late Fish 3.0. I think I read that they had Soundcheck Plasma uh, pre-show 
and just worth noting, the Mercury Jam basically was Plasma without the riff or lyrics. I mean, to me, it's almost as if they had planned to play Plasma and go into the riff, then just decide to jam it in the same key with the same type of syncopation instead. But you can definitely, you can certainly take that Mercury Jam, and at any time you can start going ba da ba 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 da ba 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 da ba 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 da ba, and it works. So. Absolutely, absolutely. And one more quick note here just about the hairy hood. Uh, you know, in short, it's an equally expansive and exploratory hood that finds them at, uh, finds its home uh, to conclude with a rousing and quite celebratory peak that felt like something more in the moment and holds up on tape incredibly well. Usually when they jam hairy hood in this sort of experimental style, they don't nail the uh, conclusion well at all. And here they just, they hit both of them perfectly. I had at one time thought that um, the better second set actually was Sunday night. And I thought that people were kind of needlessly slagging on Twitter because they were drunk and hungover and cranky and having to go back to work and whatnot. But I've, uh, I've since come around, Brian, I think I agree that this 8.30 second set was the best second set of the run. I, so, I, I will count that as a win. I like yeah. that. <laughs> Speaking of cranky people, hungover people, the award for what seemed like a good idea at the time, you know, what seemed like, hey, this sounds like it's going to work out perfectly, and then it happens, and you're like, huh? What does this go to, Dave? So, seemed like a good idea at the time. Kind of just slowly easing into Dick's 2019 with uh, the August 30th set one. Ease into the Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, now seen four Dick's runs. 2012, 2017, 2018, and 2019. And the theme coming in was that all three previous Friday shows absolutely destroyed me. Each rocked with an intensity that landed them all in my top 10 shows I've ever seen. The latter two years, 2017 and 2018, almost suffered from this intensity as neither years were able to match their Friday magic on Saturday or Sunday. Only 2012 was able to consistently play at a level displayed on Friday in significant segments of Saturday and Sunday. 2019, on the other hand, was kind of different. Perhaps the six weeks off, or perhaps a deliberate focus on new songs. Maybe it was the threat of the plague. The fact that there's no really true fall tour. Don't tell me that run is a tour. It's not a tour. It's not a tour. They came in. (laughs) They came out with a little bit less intensity. It felt like more of a focus on setting the table, particularly in set one. Now, I would argue that this helped to cultivate a more even-handed approach throughout the entire run. There was still something odd about not feeling like my face had melted by set break of set one. Uh, This was more comparable, I would say, to 2013 and 2015's Friday set ones, where you kind of asked yourself at set break if the band knew that Dicks was happening. Yeah, I mean, they started off with uh, Can't Always Listen, which is the only the second time that they played that song. Which I liked. I really I liked that. Yeah, but that was cool. That was cool and unique and Dicks like. And then would they play free after that? free a really good no man but then they played five 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 and kind of from there the set went into a bit of standardness there was a rift there was a poor heart 
there was an undermine that didn't really do much. You know, it just kind of gave you the sense that they were either not totally in command of the overall set list, didn't have like a big right. theme in mind. I don't know what it was. Good no man's. For really solid one, no man's, yeah. A type one no man's, that's the typical quote unquote extra mustard. Yes. No yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I would agree that during set one, me and my friends who I had over were mostly drinking and talking about like other stuff. Right, right. You're kind of just hanging out. You're like, oh, cool. It's a fish show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so jumping into our next segment here. Uh, if this tour were a baseball season, and we're including, I think, for kind of the overall 2019 year, because the year itself is uh, now being like kind of broken apart into very small pieces of shows. This tour, if this year were a baseball season, would we be in playoff contention, Dave? Yeah, I'd say we're in the National League Championship Series, winning the home games, we're struggling on the road. So it's not, uh, we're not blowing the doors off of it. This is this, this could be going seven games. Could be going seven games. We don't know where it's going. It's a little bit stressful right. for the fans. Um, you know, I'm of the mindset that the jams scattered throughout Dick's 2019 and the overt focus on new songs were the two biggest takeaways and reasons to celebrate the run. To me, this approach continues the biggest step forwards of the summer. It showcases a band that is focused on the future versus the past. That said, the run did struggle from song selections and vast segments where the band seemed to want to play certain songs rather than cultivate any larger thematic claim. Thinking specifically of set one and 8.30, the fourth quarter on 8.31, the second and fourth quarters on 9.1, where the band sporadically found brilliance while continuing to experience the kind of head-scratching moments of song selection that was a part of the larger summer 2019 tour. I think when you break it down, spread out over three nights, Dick's actually had a lot of really good jams. Like certainly, you haven't had some unconventional stuff like you're not used to seeing Down with Disease that late in the second set on night two. That was yeah. part of a really great fluid segment with 46 Days and Set Your Soul Free, Down with Disease into Niku. Um, the Chalk Does Torture on night three, despite really only being 11 minutes, went a lot of very interesting places. Totally. And then certainly, night one, you had um, the huge, uh, big 20-minute Mercury. So... A lot of very good jams, but kind of this dick seemed to lack the one great top-to-bottom show that was most dicks-like. I'm thinking probably both Friday night 2017 and 2018, both of which were top-to-bottom awesome. The difference being that I think as you had touched upon earlier, Brian, um, 2018, 2017 are fantastic Friday shows, but then the Saturday and Sundays, to me, were relative letdowns. Whereas this time, you kind of had a solid run of like B, B minus shows, like nothing, nothing let down, nothing to make you really unhappy, but kind of the lacking addicts something, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Makes any sense. I'll say the other thing that um, we had to compare Dick's run to was the week before at Lock-In. Just Trey right. and Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi fucking melting everyone's faces playing that Derek and Domino's <laughs> record. That was amazing. That was amazing. And, you know, I would say kind of historically when it comes to 
where this kind of falls. This to me is on par with 2014 and 2015. Um, I originally thought coming out of those shows, it was the third best Dick's run. I think it's now kind of intermixed between with those two runs in the sense that if you look at 2014, 2015, they're kind of what you're describing. You know, granted, 2014's got the Dick simple. Uh, 2015's got the thank you encore. But, you know, 2015, well, both of them have a ton of new songs because Wingsuit or the Fuego album had just come out before 2014. They debuted all those new songs in summer 2015. So there's a big emphasis in both of those years on new songs. And if you recall, like Friday night of 2015 is the first night they didn't spell anything. And it kind of falls a little bit flat, even though there's some really good jamming in there. You had some sets that connected. You had some moments that connected, um, but kind of overall, it feels like a slight step back of what we expect from Dicks when you combine humor, jamming, really tight set lists that just kind of smoke upon playing, and uh, that kind of gimmickry that has always been associated with. Yeah, this could have been three-night run in Cincinnati, Ohio, basically. That's kind of the, the, the biggest negative about it is is that it feels like a very solid mid-tour run rather than an exclamation point on what Dick's really is. Right, like Alpine Valley 3 is the exclamation point. Exactly, exactly. That's kind of what to be more expected. But at the same but time, still, I think you... it's a question worth asking me. Would you take the entire Alpine Valley run versus Dicks if you knew you were getting Alpine Valley 3. You know, would you take the solid three-night run or two fairly weak shows followed by a really strong show to end? Given how strong Alpine Valley was, I'd probably take the Alpine. Yeah, I, I figured that's what everyone's saying. I think that's probably the right answer, but um, I think as a whole, I think this was a really consistently strong run, um, even if it didn't have that kind of standout. Yeah. Um, so transitioning here, we got two more segments left before we jump into the jam that we're going to play. How many of these shows, be honest with me right now, David, <laughs> how many of these shows will you actually listen to again? None in full. Certainly, Friday night, I'll listen to all that set too. I already have. And about 45% of um, Saturday night, certainly the ghost into tube into mountains of the mist. That's a fantastic segment. It might pop up very shortly. Then the weekend pod groove, 46 days, set your soul free, down disease into Niku. So, a lot of goodness at that show. And that's practically little less than half that show very very good and then on um sunday night certainly the wolfman's brother listened to that already listened to that twice excellent excellent baptism gin and then the fuego piper tweezer 2001 chalk this torture segment you know so that's almost half of that show so when you break it down there's plenty there's plenty to listen back to yeah, and I think to what your point is here from the highlight standpoint, this was my biggest takeaway from, or one of my biggest takeaways from the weekend, is simply the fact that it's not just like they played a good jam. They played these segments of music, like Fuego into Piper into Tweezer into 2001 and Choctaw's Torture. I mean, yeah, the jams are a little bit shorter than you might want them to be, 
but that's a solid 40 45 minutes of music right there back to back to back same with the week of hog through and icu segment from the night earlier and that to me when i was there in the stadium there that was something that you didn't get the last two years at dicks aside from night one and aside from that third quarter from um uh nine two last year the 46 days golden age tweezer uh uh, steam a song I heard the ocean sing like these segments of music where it feels as though the band has been playing for an hour and a half and then you go back and you're like oh my god that was only like 30 or 40 minutes there's just so much music packed into it that I absolutely love was Alpine Valley to the night where they did like spacey 10 minute like Runaway Jim. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like a uh, song I heard the ocean sing and the ghost. Right, and it's all right. very spacey and connected, but none of the jams went longer than 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. It was kind of definitely in that vein of, uh, I guess they've been calling it micro jams. I think I described that show on this podcast as like a wedding cake tasting. <laughs> doing the big face plant into the vat of banana pudding. It's like, all right, there's a little chocolate cake, a little carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> little funfetti and it all you end up leaving full so they were kind of more in that vein i think right right and it gets you know again to kind of what we've talked about with regards to the overall uh differences between this year and the last two years is you know there's nothing like walking out of one of those fish shows and feeling like you you know just made contact or something uh but it's also pretty cool to go to a consistently strong run throughout even if it doesn't totally destroy like your brain at that point in time yes which leads us to yes the the final segment before we throw some non-fish on you as is our want the this is why we do this award what do we got ghost just a outstanding version of ghost um and to showcase my state of mind on saturday night following this ghost i immediately texted my friend that this was probably the best ghost i'd ever seen only to go back through my stats and realize i've also seen september 1st 2017 july 20th 2014 august 15th 20, uh, 2004 and <laughs> probably my favorite ghost of all time uh at least I've seen December 30th, 2016. So this is in the, my top five for the ghosts I've seen. Just a relentless groove of all those that I listed. It reminds me the most of July 20th, 2014, which is one of my favorite jams I've ever seen live. It's just got this noise, weird sonic experimentation. And, you know, coming at that point in the run, we knew, you know, we'd had a great set two on Friday night. Set one had been eh. And then set one started out fairly okay on uh, Saturday night. Final Hurrah was really cool, but parts of Saturday night felt very standard still. And then this ghost came along and I kind of figured, okay, we'll get like a 12 minute bliss jam. And they took it dark and it got just like kraut rocky and like just in this tribal cosmic groove that had me just like bouncing up and down. And Oh my God, it was unreal, man. That is one of my favorite things I've seen live in, in recent years from Fish. July 20th, 2014. That was Northerly Island, right? Chicago? That is the show that is famous for the Chicago Wedge, but I argue that oh, the Chicago okay. Ghost is actually better. 
Right, the Paradise City Wedge. Right, right, right. Yeah, that ghost, I listened to it on your recommendation, and it packs a lot into like a short runtime. It's really good. It's so, so unique. It's just Trey not yeah. playing lead, and that's very similar to what we had here. Let's listen to some of it. Let's do it, man.
already know that Sirius XM brings you the deepest variety of commercial free music for every genre and for every mood. Where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment, and comedy, and hundreds of hand-curated music channels designed to fit every mood. Where you get news from every source. Where you can listen to the newly launched Fish Radio, in addition to Jam On, Grateful Dead Radio, Pearl Jam Radio, Tom Petty Radio, and many more. Where you can listen to top comedy channels such as Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Radio and Netflix is a Joke Radio and Sports Talk Radio from Barstool to ESPN and more to keep you up to date on the latest news in the sports world. Most people think that you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. Subscribe now to listen outside the car, on your phone, online, and at home, and get your first three months for just a dollar. Visit SiriusXM.com slash BTP to see offer details and to subscribe. Start listening today. SiriusXM, no car required. guys i hope that you have picked your face up off the floor that ghost man that ghost so we got two segments of music here coming at you like we did over the summer we are featuring new albums and then we are opening the vaults to what we've been listening to of late so my new album is a record I've been blasting a lot lately it's from the Chicago-based jazz trumpeter Will Miller. It is Reservoir's debut, self-titled debut album, Reservoir. The song I will play from this is called, appropriately, Whoa. This record is just about everything I want to hear right now. And basically, I have Rob Mitchum and... The guys from Beyond Beyond is Beyond and throw John Hart, Jeff Con- Jeff Conklin, uh, Jesse Jarno in this list, Joel Burke. Basically everything I've wanted to hear over the last eight or nine months has all kind of stemmed from that Storage Jam episode that we did back in February. That's kind of like Chicago-based, electronic, but also uh, – um, kind of organic jazz music that is really experimental, really bizarre, but always just kind of sucks you in with riffs and beats that just keep you coming back. And kind of if you take the album TNT by Tortoise, kind of spin that off and the variety of ways that that record could go, it's kind of where my head's at right now musically. Um, so this record kind of came together uh, following – Will Miller's guest appearances on records from Whitney, Lil Wayne, ASAP Rocky, and Mac Miller. Uh, This is his debut as a band leader. Like I said, think of this as a less industrialized version of Taurus. The record combines improvisation with studio wizardry, 60s sunnier jazz fuses with deftly played improvisation, 
there's just this constant sense of interconnectedness celebrated on the record the natural the unnatural the hard the bliss it's really a nearly perfect record for our time at this point um i absolutely love this record i've been listening to it like i said a ton over the last couple weeks it feels to me like a cold weather record that i'm gonna really enjoy listening to um maybe not fully cold weather but like cooler fall nights here that we're gonna about to get into over the next couple weeks out in denver throw on a flannel have a glass of whiskey throw this on maybe on the back porch and it'll just fit perfectly so we're gonna go ahead here listen to the a bit of the track whoa off of reservoirs reservoir talking about that Reservoir album. So I'm going to talk about a record from a band called Elder. The album is called The Golden Silver Sessions. It's more like a mini album. It's got uh, three songs on it, two very long songs, one a bit shorter. The song I'm going to listen to is called Illusory Motion. So Elder, from what I gather, are prog metal Hesher dudes from outside of Boston, Massachusetts. I didn't know too much about them before uh, discovering them as a recommendation from the Freaks List, which is a New York City kind of based mailing list that I'm a part of. It's got lots of music recommendations. A lot of people go to concerts together. It's a uh, it's a good time. So, in doing some research, it seems like earlier Elder records tend to be a little more heavy, a little bit more on the um, black metal tip with uh, you know the typical like Cookie Monster vocals. However, this album kind of is definitely more of uh, the prog metal vein explored by their last full album called Reflections of a Floating World from 2017, which kind of mixed a little southern rock, little almonds, but, you know, overall, if you kind of like the heavier side of Rush, heavier side of Pink Floyd, there's uh, a lot to enjoy here. Kind of going in that direction, the Gold and Silver Sections, which is part of uh, Postwax limited edition collection of music i think it's a subscription that gets you some really unique stoner metal and doom metal albums this one certainly veers more in a like kraut rock direction a friend of mine almost compared it to uh the more esoteric stuff from the verve in early 1993 1995 back when they were still more on the like shoegazy tip so 
There's definitely uh, some Cosmish here. There's some Krautrock. Definitely gets a bit Floydy, but what's good, all these tracks peak and they peak hard. And if you uh, think happens to be 12 minute instrumentals that peak hard and headbangingly, and if you're listening to a fish podcast, chances are that could be up your alley. I would definitely check out the gold and silver sessions from Elder. Let's listen to some of Illusory Motion, which in the last two minutes is my, one of my favorite air drawing portions of the whole year. segment two of our summer episode series we are opening the vaults what are we listening to right now perhaps in this moment even as we're recording um so i am consumed right now by my top 200 albums of the decade list going through I've made a list sporadically scattered around over the last six or eight months of my 200 favorite records of the 2010s. And right now I'm going through every single one of them and trying to sort them in some form that makes some sense. Some of these records I've listened to constantly over the last decade. Others kind of came in, came out of my rotation, but had an impact at some point. I'm trying to figure out where they fall now and where my listening habits are. One of these is Steve Palmer's Fables of the Feral Boys, and I'm going to play the song The Desert Tortoise Preservation Society. So, man, if you combine folk, raga, drone, and psychedelia, you have my perfect record at the time, and that's what this is. Steve Palmer is a guitarist very much in the John Fahey model. This record came out in January 2015 off Fall Break Records and uh, was one of my favorites from the latter half of 2015. 
Uh, my son was born in September 2015, and I was in dire need at that point of instrumental music I could have on in the background, but still be fascinated by the low volume. This was that. This was like my early morning jam. Honestly, I will say this is the only Steve Palmer I've heard. Um, I don't really have any good reason for this, other than there's a hell of a lot of great music out there, and I sometimes just get distracted by it. But I'm shocked. I've never really heard other people mention this record. Though I am sure it got some spins on the Yama Ghetto in uh, 2015. Listening to this record now, it feels just like 2019 Brian telling 2015 Brian what's up. Of note, according to his Bandcamp page, Palmer, who's from Minneapolis, was taught how to play in part by Chris Forsyth. He was one of his early teachers. It's a great Beyond the Pine connection right there. Uh, this record, I would just say, kind of and simply, if you like what we've been playing on Beyond the Pond for much of the last uh, year, you will love this record. Uh, it's one of my favorite records of the decade. It's going to probably end up in my top 100, uh, which is saying something. Um, I think that you guys would greatly enjoy it. The guitar work is phenomenal, and uh, it's super spacey, super atmospheric, super weird. So let's go ahead here. Let's listen to the Desert Tortoise Preservation Society off of Steve Palmer's Fables of the Feral Boys from 2015. Let's see, like a lot of people, I've been listening to the new album by Tool, uh, Fear Inoculum, which is the first new Tool album in 13 years. And given that, I was a senior in high school when the album Anima came out, and I was a senior in college 
when the album Lateralis came out, um, I'm certainly Tool's, I guess you could say, target audience being guys who really like Rush, but want something slightly heavier than Rush, and also like King Crimson. Yeah, I'm a Tool fan. So, uh, and the new record, Fear Inoculum, is quite good. It's, uh, the songs are a bit longer. It requires a little bit more patience, but I have been very much enjoying it. But listening to that album has caused me to go back to the earlier Tool albums that I've only kind of recently started listening to again because they were one of the last great streaming holdouts. And they finally decided to put their entire catalog on the streaming services. And though I have all the albums on CD, I no longer own a CD player. So I really just haven't been listening to them. So I've been going back and really uh, lately have been very much getting into uh, the album Lateralis, which came out in 2001. I think it's probably Tool's best album in that it probably has the largest percentage of songs, largest percentage of listenable material. I used to think that um, album Anima from 1996 was their best album and is indeed very good. It also has lots of goofy bits and skits that kind of sounded really cool when you were a senior in high school in 1996, but have aged very poorly. Whereas Lateralis is more um, just top to bottom music. I think one of the songs in particular that I've been really liking is this song called called Parabola, which has a very, very heavy rift. Typical um, Maynard James Keenan's, let's say, Marianne Williams style, Marianne Williamson style lyrics. Uh, also, the kind of lyrics you find fascinating in college, not so much when you get a bit older. But it's just a really fantastic, heavy prog track with all the incredible drumming from Danny Carey and adept bass playing from Justin Chancellor. All the stuff you've come to expect. It's kind of been uh, fun to take some walks down memory lane. So. Let's listen to Parabola by Tool. Brian, I have a question. Are you a fan of this band? Are they? We're giving a big shout out right now to my college roommate, Ross Miller, who okay. I came to freshman year dorms armed with a Case Logic CD of Fish. He came armed with a Case Logic CD book of Rush and Tool. Uh, okay. I will fully admit. Uh, I won him over with fish before he won me over with Russian tool, but it planted a seed that has grown over the last 15 years. Uh, Lateralis is probably my favorite tool record that I've heard. And similar, I would, I would say both Ross as well as my realization that I did like progressive rock and I did like metal, which then bled into our friendship and our back and forth here on the podcast has made me a mm. fan of them. Yeah, because it seems to me like they're a band that I would say for um, guys that tend to be, I want to say, age 37 to 42 kind of tend to be the most into them just because of when the albums came right. out. I mean, it comes out when you're in high school or junior high school. You're very impressionable. Think that man of James Keenan is like God himself. And he's got so much to teach me and blah, 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 blah. But you're a little bit younger. So I was wondering if you had still gotten the tool bug. But okay. 
Yeah, it came later, and I will say of all the awful things you can say about FantasyTour.com, one of the best things you can say about it is that there are a lot of massive tool fans on there. There are also a lot of massive tools, but a lot of massive tool (laughs) fans on there. Uh, Tool fans and tools. Yes, tool fans and tool fans alike, and tools alike. Um, But I, I remember distinctly when I was going, I was in Korea. Talked about this period of my life a lot, where I had just high internet down, download speed and I had a uh, external hard drive. And I remember there were just constant threads about, I, I feel like was tool playing live in 2009. Um, or were they just talking about older shows? I don't know, but whatever the older shows, whatever it was, they were talking about some... how great they were as a live band. And I was like, all right, I have to, I have to really de- uh, sit down and listen to this band. And uh, that was a huge period where I, I, I listened to them a ton. Yeah, I saw them twice in the Lateralis tour. They are indeed very good live. I mean, very scripted as prog metal has to be, but, you know, very good and engaging. Lots of cool bells and whistles. So, yeah, there was a guy in uh, my freshman dorm at Rutgers who actually believed that Tool, this band of musicians, had invented some new drug to help people use more of their brains. (laughs) So... Don't know what to tell you there, but yeah, <laughs> this is great song, great album. This is some tool. Tool fans alike. Hope that you guys enjoyed that performance of Parabola off of Lateralis. So, quick uh, recap of the songs that we played here in the Dicks 2019 recap episode. Uh, of note, I will say I hope to our listeners who said we sounded like our puppy died in our Dicks 2018 episode. Uh, enjoyed this a little bit more <laughs> uh, because I think we enjoyed this, this, uh, someone said that yeah, I think it was, uh, one of your buddies, uh, said that it was oh. a great episode, but you guys sounded like your dog died. Uh, <laughs> which was true. <laughs> well, I, we, was, we were uh, pretty down in those last couple of nights of the Dicks 2018 run. It, it, it was post curveball. It was a hard time. It was a tough time for everyone involved. Yeah. It uh, was curveball cancellation. <laughs> um, 
So cancel in our minds, in our hearts. Yeah, exactly. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know that we enjoyed recording it. Um, just a quick recap of the songs we played here. We're going to post these in our Spotify playlist as long as they're available, as you all know. Uh, Reservoir, Woe off of Reservoir, as well as Elder, Illusory, Motion off of the Gold and Silver Sessions were in our new album recommendations. And then in the vaults that we opened up, I played the Desert Tortoise Preservation Society off of Steve Palmer's Fables of the Feral Boys. And Dave played Parabola off of Lateralis by Tool. Yes. Reminder, we are active on social media. You can find us on Twitter at underscore beyond the pond. Sometimes Brian uses that account. Sometimes I use it, which is which hard to tell. Our Simplecast page, beyondthepond.simplecast.fm. Spotify, the Beyond the Pond podcast song, Master Playlist, getting super unruly. Just press shuffle, have yourself a ball. Beyond the Pond is a proud member of the Osiris family of podcasts, the Osiris Podcast Network. Check out all the other excellent podcasts at osirispod.com. And leave us an iTunes review. We like reading them. It helps increase our visibility in Apple land, which I think we can all agree is a good thing. Absolutely. Publishing structure. So uh, we're going to slightly get back to normal here in the fall. Uh, No tour until after Thanksgiving. We do have some big episodes coming out, uh, one of which is going to be coming out on Monday. That's any hint of what is going to be coming out. Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday. So we got a Monday, lot of Ponda digest here. Um, and then we will have a couple more coming out here in September. I think we have five total in September, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and then mm. we're getting to work here on our top albums of the decade list. That episode will be coming out in late October. But uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff here for you guys. We're going to bring on some guests again here in the next couple of episodes. But uh very excited for you guys to hear what we've got cooking. Absolutely. To uh, paraphrase Maynard James Keenan, we will ride the spiral to the end and maybe go where no one's been. We will spiral out, spiral out, and come back and then go beyond the pond. I'm like a plague dog.
Osiris.